Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kia. Hello, everybody. My name is Kian. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, I'm really very glad to be here. Um, it's been quite a journey, my time in program. Uh, I wanted to qualify pretty quick and get kind of the numbers and logistics out of the way. Uh, I came to the program around December of 2001, and I found the fellowship through a therapist. Uh, I was doing a lot of really crazy stuff with food when I was in college, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and the therapist kind of gave me a meeting list and said, you know, there's people like you who have this issue, and here's a list, and why don't you try it? And I did, and I felt immediately at home. Um, so it was just one of probably, I mean, the best thing probably that has ever happened to me, except for the birth of my kids. So everything it is that I have to this day um, really comes from this program and from, you know, connecting with the higher power and connecting with all of you. So I just needed to say that. So um, in this fellowship, I have lost about 150 pounds. Um, it took about 10 years to for that to happen, and there were stops and there were starts and there were... Um, bumps in the road, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more as uh, my story continues. Uh, but it's kind of funny because, you know, when people ask me, like, what's my abstinent date, I honestly don't remember. And that's one of those things that's like, you know, why wouldn't you remember such a momentous? That's like the biggest thing ever. Why wouldn't you remember? Because I had to, at a certain point, stop counting. I had to get away from the numbers. I had to get away. Well, I've got these many years, and so, because it started to get to my head. And then that kind of kept me from staying in the now. And for me, I have today. I have today's abstinence. I have what I'm working on, my connection with my higher power. That has to be a day-by-day kind of thing. I have about five, six years of maintaining this body weight, give or take a few. And I say that because there was a period of time where I actually, with the approval of my sponsor and guidance from my higher power, decided to gain some weight because I was too thin. But we will talk about that. So, um, The other thing that's uh, kind of uh, a little different, because a lot of people come up here and they talk about what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. And my talk is going to be a little different from that. Um, God told me that someone in this room needs to hear about body image. I don't know who it is, but you know who you are. Um, and maybe if there's none of you in here, maybe it's me that needs to hear about body image. So I'll say okay on that and just keep listening as God gives me the words that we need to hear tonight. Um, so I will say that for me, the reason why body image is kind of on my mind, it's like we don't talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about the story and about, okay, this is how it is that I lost weight. But then, like, when you get there and, like, when you're actually at goal weight, whatever that is, 
um, like you ha- I, I will speak for myself, I had all of these illusions that, you know, I was just going to be fabulous and wealthy and my money problems would disappear and everything would just be perfect and I would look like, you know, a, a Barbie doll and, have, you know, perfect breasts and all these things. And nobody told me about the shit. Nobody told me that, you know, when you lose and gain hundreds of pounds over the course of time, you are going to have a skin problem. I didn't think about how my skin without the weight would look. I didn't think about the stretch marks and how that was going to affect, um, you know, how I looked. I didn't think about how I looked naked was going to change and the difference between having full breasts because I was so heavy and not full breasts because I'm not heavy anymore. So... You know, in so many ways, to me, it's about the food until it's not. And then it's, it's, that's the period that you kind of go from once you get to go, go away. You figure out all the reasons why it was that you were eating before. You figure out all the things in your life that need to be worked out because this is a life problem. The food is a manifestation of that, the way that I think about it. Um, a spirituality problem, you know, that God Christ hole that we were hearing about uh, just before I got up. So that's why um, I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about how my body image has changed and how God is working in my life to heal my body image. And, excuse me, I'm not where it is that I want to be with it, but I'm so much farther ahead than where I was. So that's going to be what it was like and what happened and what it's like now, but it's going to be about body image, so we can press onward. Okay. At the beginning, um, like not the beginning like in the Bible, but my beginning, um, I was not born a compulsive eater. A lot of people get up and they say, you know, oh, I was, you know, I was born a compulsive eater. You know, I was overeating at the, my mother's breast. It wasn't anything like that for me. I started off a very small six-pound baby, and I was very, very thin from birth until around age six. I was so thin that they had to pin my clothes. They didn't have clothes that would fit me. My dad used to call me string bean. And, you know, I was a daddy's girl, so that was all that was all kind of, you know, it was like a nice loving thing that we had there. And my self concept, my body image, if I could say I had one at the age of six, was being that of a string bean. A very small, skinny little child. My family started going through some difficulties right around that time. Um, and that was when me and food became lovers, if you will want to use that phrase. Um, It was a love affair for a very long time, and I started to gain weight. Um, My parents, they were concerned, understandably concerned, because I had been so thin so long, and now I'm just, you know, pretty much eating to beat the band. And then there was, you know, there's just the question that could come, like, you know, she's sick, so she can't be feeding herself, so how is all of this happening? You know, I can't even remember whether or not I was just eating what was available or whether or not I was sneaking through. I don't really necessarily remember that. I just remember I started picking up weight pretty quick. And one of the remedies that my parents tried to help me, you know, kind of get back to a normal weight, even though they didn't necessarily, you know, totally emphasize it like that, but I knew, you know, that that was the deal. They wanted to get me to exercise. So uh, they started me out in gymnastics, and actually it was me, my, myself and my older sister. She's about two years older than me. So maybe like when I'm around seven, uh, I remember going into this gymnastics class, and there were all these very thin little girls in their leotards and their tights, and I remember I was not little and thin, and I remember, you know, feeling bigger than those girls. 
I remember there was a time we were trying to get on the um, the balancing bars, and the other little girls, they would get up just with ease. It, would, it was just fabulous the way that they got up and curled. And I was having trouble getting myself up. And I remember the instructor, the, the, the gymnastics coach, uh, coming behind me. You know, my sister, either she hadn't gone or she was just standing over and watching all of this go down. But I remember the instructor coming behind me and, like, saying behind my back, like, because this person was behind me, okay, one, two, heave. And, like, I was so heavy that they had to heave me over this bar. That made such an impression on me, that I was so different and that none of the other girls had to be heaved over the bar, but I did. So that started planting the seeds of me having a poor body image at a very early age. I remember the weigh-ins when I was a youngster, and every year the school nurse would line all of the kids up, and you'd think that, you know, that they could just write down the weight, and they don't have to call it out in front of everybody. But I remember being horrified when my weight was called out. And I'll be honest, I was not the fattest child in the room, but I was probably in the top three, and it was still humiliating. I will say I was pretty lucky from the perspective that I really didn't get a lot of teasing. I mean, I got some of the other things that come along with being really heavy as a child. For example, the, you know, being picked last for teams. That was something that I remember not being popular because I didn't look like all the other little kids looked. So stuff like that. But, I mean, in terms of people actually saying things point blank about my weight, I didn't have that to recover from, thank God. When I got to be about 13, so now we're, like, fast forward six years later, seven years later, something like that. Um, I went through the summertime um, in between sixth grade and seventh grade. Um, I came up with this handy trick. I stopped eating. And that seems like, wow, I'm, I'm losing weight. And this is fabulous, but I could only, like, eat, like, in order to lose weight, I was eating tuna fish, like, tuna fish sandwich, and that was it. That was the only thing I was eating that day. And I lost all my weight. And I came back to school and came to school in seventh grade and I'm looking fit and fabulous and thin, getting all kinds of positive attention. So now I'm kind of making the connection. Oh, well, nobody liked me when I was heavy. So maybe the only way that I can be likable is to be really, really thin. And so those kind of seeds, just things just starting to plant in my psyche about not being acceptable for what it was that I weighed and, and, and how I looked. So that time, as far as, like, you know, not eating, you can only go not eating so long. And um, so my time, so from 13 to about 16, is um, when I was able to have a pretty decent, like, you know, middle school, high school experience. Had lots of friends, you know, was popular at that time, you know, was able to do things. So, you know, things were kind of looking up. When I was 16 years old, I got a job at a fast food restaurant. And everything kind of really went to hell from there. You can't really live not eating. And so when I got to be around what is my personal crack, although I don't know that I knew that at the time. At the time, it was just money, oh, and there's food. So it was good from that perspective. And I cooked all the time, and I ate everything I could get my hands on in them because we're all free. So I started picking up weight really, really rapidly. I got, when I was in high school, um, so I entered high school when I was about 105 pounds, and I graduated high school about 168 pounds. 
And the thing that's interesting to me about that, as I look back at my pictures and I look back at, you know, my life during that time, when I was graduating from high school, I thought I was huge at 168 pounds. Huge! Like, you could not have convinced me that I wasn't. But when I was almost 300 pounds, I didn't think that I was big at all. I thought I was, like, closer to 180, maybe 200. So it's really interesting how... No, it's, the problem is in my brain. My brain is broken when it comes to how I look. That it's not based in reality. And um, so I, I really kind of had to, that was an interesting kind of a realization that I wasn't nearly as big as I thought that I was at that time. So when I went to college, and this is, you know, about the time that I found a way, but it was because now I don't have parents, I don't have, you know, structure, I don't have rules, I have me, I have my allowance, I have a vehicle at one point, and it's me and Domino's, me and Pizza Hut, me and the bakery. It's just wide open because I didn't have anybody constricting and constraining what I'm eating. So from 168 until about the, the pound I, I got from 168 when I graduated from high school, and probably about the time that I found OA, I was probably around 245-ish. But then I gained an additional 30-plus pounds after I got in the rooms. And that's interesting that I would gain so much weight after being here, not for two years, which, you know, I guess if I think about it, I could have gained a lot more weight than just 30 in that period of time because of the way that I was eating. So even being in program, even coming to meetings and still hearing all of you and sharing your experiences, it did help. It just didn't keep me from, you know, binging and all of that kind of stuff. So I'll say that. I struggled very, it was a big struggle getting off the sugar. And so that was what it was. That was the two-year time from when I first got into program and when I ended up um, getting my first abstinence. And I didn't have, I don't, I have a few pictures on my phone of me when I was pregnant, but I don't have really, like, a lot of pictures of me and my top weight because I would not allow myself to be photographed. There was no videotape. I put my hands up if there was any kind of cameras, mirrors, video, anything to kind of break my delusions about what I looked like. I was just, like, not even dealing with any of that. A very dear friend of mine um, had a wedding, and somehow, before I could even, like, say no, there was a picture of me snapped. And I didn't think about it. I just thought, you know, she'd have this picture in her album, and that would be that. Well, come to find out, you know, she comes to work because we work together. And she's like, oh, Kia, you know, I've got pictures from the wedding, and there's one of you I wanted to give it to you. She gave me this picture. And, oh, my God, I took up half the picture. I had no idea until I saw myself in color how big I really was. And it's also interesting to me because that was part of around the time that I got my first abstinence when I just and, and something specific happened, but it'll take away from the rest of the story if I kinda of go into that specifically and if we have time and somebody wants to really know what that was then I'll I'll share at that point. Um but initially, um I totally lost my train of thought. I was going somewhere good, and then I totally derailed myself. Um, we were talking about denial. I'm talking about my first abstinence. Talking about no video. And talking about the fact that I really didn't have any idea how big I was at any given time. Well, I'll just keep going, and if it comes back to me, then it'll come back to me. If it was important, God will let me know what it was. 
Um, so yeah, I, I got my first abstinence after that, around that time. And I took off like 125 pounds. So I kind of got down to about 150. Um, my food plan at that time was no recreational sugar, um, three meals a day, plus a few snacks. Fruits, vegetables, it's not a whole lot different than what it is now, but I've I've had to add things as time has gone on. Um, But I will say uh, that during that initial abstinence time, there were still foods. I thought it was just sugar that was a problem. And I didn't realize that I had other foods that were problematic. And it took a real willingness and honesty to look at those foods before I was able to lose the rest of my weight. In the first abstinence that I had, I wasn't using the big book, um, and that's the book that I use now. Uh, so I didn't work my program from there. I answered a lot of questions. I did have a sponsor, but the sponsor was more of a food sponsor. We didn't really go through the steps together other than looking at the OA workbook and doing things like that. So for me, there was a big discrepancy between, um, or difference, I should say, between not eating compulsively, which is what I was doing for that, those several years, and having the obsession with food removed. That was a big difference that I didn't really know until I lost my abstinence that time. Um, So now that I know what it's like to have freedom from the food obsession, that's what it is that I'm always striving for. Because when I was white knuckling, it was like five years that I felt like I was really white knuckling the abstinence thing. Like I would have eaten, I just wasn't eating, but it wasn't because anything in me had changed. If that makes any sense. Like, I was just doing the right thing, but that spiritual shift hadn't quite happened for me the way that it happened after my year after I also had a lot of fear about losing the rest of my weight. I had a lot of fear about that. Um, and it was like, I wasn't, no longer had to shop at Lane Bryant or any of the big girl stores, so I didn't have to do that. And people didn't look at me and they didn't treat me funny, but they didn't look at me weird because I was heavy. So I was kind of in an okay place, even though I was still overweight by, you know, doctor's accounts and all that kind of stuff. I was still overweight, but it wasn't affecting me in a bad way at this point because I still had some of my comforts, my comforts, my those gateway foods I like to talk about. And to define that really quick, you're not wondering, what is a gateway food? For me, it's kind of like marijuana. And I'm not a marijuana person, but, you know, they say marijuana is kind of like the gateway to other addictions and foods, not not foods, but other addictions. For me, I have certain foods that are like the gateway to compulsive eating. One one food that really gave me trouble with people was pancakes. Pancakes and the other thing was french fries. And I tried to do everything it was that I could. I tried to bake, take a bake a, a potato and bake it and cut it and see if I could have my fries that way. It didn't matter how I had potatoes. The bottom line was that I could not eat potatoes and not find myself going down the rabbit hole at some point. It always led to something else. It, I, it was never because I binged on, but I noticed that when I ate those things, pancakes and french fries, things started to get weird and the cravings would come and it was just not a good thing. When I was willing to let go of those things, when I was willing to let go of the fear of being at a normal weight, um, that's when things really turned around for me. So I will, I will say that that's all. Um, I got engaged in 2007, and at that time, like I said, I was around 150 pounds. In my mind, I did not want to be a heavy bride. I had seen their beautiful, beautiful dresses for heavier girls, more so now than there have ever been, 
And that's all fabulous, but I didn't want to be a heavy bride. And so when I was able to go to that bridal shop, and I'll tell you super quick how it was that I found my dress, I was looking through a book, you know, way before I lost my weight, Way before I even had a fiance or anybody that there was anybody because I was that kind of check, you know. So I'm looking through the bridal book and I see this dress. And I said, Oh my gosh, if I can ever get thin enough to wear this dress, this is the one that I'm going to wear. And when I did, when I ended up having the fiance and actually having, you know, the circumstances being right, I was able to go and find that dress. It was the very first wedding dress that I tried on and it looked amazing. And, I mean, everybody said so. It wasn't even like I was just making, like, I wasn't even just making that up. I looked amazing in this dress. By the time, that, and I will say, I don't know whether or not it was the stress of being engaged. I don't know if it was the stress of my life. I don't know if it was, like, I don't know if it was the fact that my absence wasn't as solid as it needed to be. I don't know what happened. But by the time I had my final fitting for my dress, I had gained enough weight that I had to have my dress altered up. And I was devastated. I was crying right there in the bridal salon. It was so upsetting. I felt huge, even though it was I'm up to a 14. I wasn't, but I felt huge. And I could no longer have a zipper. I had to have a, a lace-up panel because I wasn't making it and we didn't have time and to order something else. So they had to have, I mean, it ended up still being very pretty, but it wasn't what it was that I imagined in my mind. So in that relapse, I will say, between my, the time of my engagement and the time that I got my abstinence back, two and a half years of hell, I might add, just so we're throwing out numbers, two and a half years of my life that I will never get back. Um, I will say that it was only 25 pounds that I gained. And I say only because before program, there was a time that I could have gained and lost 50 pounds, 100 pounds. 75 pounds, just like that. It was because I didn't stop coming into these rooms that I was able to, excuse me, that I was able to not gain 100 pounds in a relapse. So that is just one more testament to keep coming back. Even when it's hard, keep coming back. So I'm going to skip around a lot because there's a whole lot of things that happen, but I, again, you were time limited and I don't want to uh, miss the bigger point. Um, in 2010, I got pregnant. And I had got pregnant with twins. And so that being pregnant in and of itself does a number on your body image. Um, and because there were two of them in there, and it's kind of hard to imagine me with twins, but I have pictures that if anybody wants to see after we're done, I can show you on my phone. Um, I was a lot bigger when I was pregnant with them. Um, and that was very hard for me to gain weight and to have that kind of an issue and, you know, what if I can't lose the weight? I mean, all of those things were kind of coming into my head. Um, so body image even then, even though I knew I was supposed to be gaining weight and I knew that this was just a normal, quote-unquote, natural process that happens, it was still very hard for me to adjust to emotionally. And, um, you know, sadly, my nerves did not last. And I actually, because I've spoke here before, and I've talked about how that went down, so that's two or three podcasts ago, like maybe four or five years ago. Um, so I won't talk about all of that. But I will say when I did get divorced, between the stress of that and, um, you know, really being willing to step out into my life and to be the person that I believe God wanted me to be, I lost the last of my weight. And, um, you know, I will say 
I had a lot of experience gaining weight. I had a lot of experience losing weight, but very little experience maintaining weight. And that's why I think that this is such an important discussion to have. Um, because I got such a rush every time I saw the scale go down. Such a rush, like, oh, my God, oh, my gosh, I, I lost another pound, I lost another pound. Well, what happens when the scale is what it is, same thing today, same thing next week, same thing after that? Then what? There's no adrenaline. There's no excitement. There's no drama. It just is what it is. And kind of learning how to be okay and be happy to see that number stay the same. That was really, really an exciting and um, good time for me. The thing was is that even at a normal weight, um, and someone may have said, I mentioned that I was pretty thin, too thin, really, if I'm honest, I wasn't happy. I still didn't feel beautiful like I thought that I would if I just lost the weight. I had all kinds of fear about, you know, I'm going to be, I'm now in the dating world, well, I have a partner right now, but at the time when all of this was going down, I was getting ready to enter the dating world and, you know, really sitting in and, and thinking, oh my gosh, somebody's going to see me naked, what are they going to think, and oh my gosh, and, you know, just this whole thing I had set up in my mind. Um, and, you know, to talk about the skin problem, I say, and this kind of goes to the whole point about why body image is kind of a, an interesting topic for me. I talk about the skin, but there are people in our rooms that really have really bad skin. I really don't have really bad skin. I lost my weight when I was fairly young, and I think that that helps. I exercise a lot. So between exercising a lot and having lost my weight at a relatively young age, I really don't have a lot of skin. Of course, it's enough skin to bother me. And it's one of those things, you you know, you look at me in clothes, and you probably would not be able to tell that I have skin. Take, thank God for bras and underwire and spandex. And, you know, thank God for all of these things, right? Because... Without them, let's just say it's a different picture. I mean, it's not a horrible picture, but it's not the picture of, you know, this. I, I had to really mourn the fact that I feel like I just never had a chance to have perky breasts. I never had a chance to have a flat stomach or a tight butt. I never had that. There are people in this world, and they got other problems. But that was not, for me, a reality that I got to live in. I have a beautiful reality now. It's different from that, but I had to get into acceptance about it. And the other point that I wanted to make is that, you know, I spent so much time fighting my weight. And I actually think this is the point that I was trying to get to before, so God did bring it back. Um, I spent so much time fighting my weight, either being in denial of it outright because, you know, I just wouldn't look at myself. Or if I did kind of sort of see, okay, well, maybe I am a little big. That's so unfair. I really hate that I'm this big. And there's all the negative talk that I did with myself about my weight. Because I was so fighting it and in denial, I couldn't do anything about it. And it was like once I could accept, okay, well, here's where I am for today, that was when I could have traction to do anything else. The mental exercises that I engaged in trying not to deal with this issue, that kept me heavy. It's also my belief, and it's just mine, so not necessarily programmed, is that if your mind stays heavy, your mind stays fat, I'm just going to use the word because we're all friends here, your body will eventually catch up to that. So it's like figuring out a way to shrink yourself in your mind so that what is actually true in your mind is actually true like when people look at you. And today, I really do feel like a small person. Probably not as small as other people see me, though. 
So that's interesting because other people, and especially the ones that um, don't know that I was ever heavy, because I'm getting to that point where people now don't ever know that I ever had a weight problem. Okay. Um, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, skinny girls like you, you know, you never had to worry about anything. Little did they know. You know, they have, and you really don't have any idea who you're talking to. You know what I'm saying? I, I once also had somebody tell me that, you know, Kim, you're so skinny, you should, you should eat a cookie or something. And it's like all of these kinds of things, again, it's ignorance, and I had to really, interestingly enough, it's not ever little people saying these things to me. It's always people with a weight problem. So, I mean, I had to really get into my mind that this was not about me, and I had to not take that in. Because otherwise, it was just like, oh, my gosh. And, and I'm starting again with that thing in my mind. Okay. All right. So I wanted to talk about kind of what it is that has helped me heal um, in some measure. Acceptance and gratitude have been really the things that have been so helpful to me on this body image journey. Um, I, one of the things that I had to stop like and commit to, no more bad body talk. No more. From today starts now. No more bad body talk. My higher power gave me a gift. And this gift is this vessel that I have to take care of for however long I am blessed to be in possession of it. And every time I say foul things about it, Every time I think negative things about it, what am I saying to the gift that God has given me? And I had to really kind of turn it into, like, when I think about gratitude um, for my body, for my life, for my experience. For years, I did everything it was that I could to destroy myself. For years. And my body has been so faithful. This body that I've talked so much crap about, that I have done so many things to try to harm, either knowingly or unknowingly. It, it grew and nurtured two babies at one time. It allowed me, three weeks ago, I was in Paris. I spent a week in Paris with my partner. We walked 85,000 steps. If I was the heavy person, if I had not been in program, first of all, I don't even think I would be 42 years old. I would have died in the piano box probably about 10 years ago. That's what I really think that would, would have happened if I hadn't come into this, these rooms. But more than that, if I had had the weight, there's no way I could have done all of those stairs. There are so many stairs in Paris. There are so many steps. There's no elevators. I mean, I think about these things, and it just brings tears to my eyes that after everything I've put my body through, it supported me in every way. And the only thing that I really have, and I'm knocking on wood for those of you out in the world listening to this, um, I have acid reflux. But my acid reflux is absolutely um, managed by my diet. So as long as I'm eating right, I don't have acid reflux problems. I don't have diabetes. I don't have high blood pressure. My cholesterol is amazing, according to my doctors. I mean, for someone who is so self-destructive to have a body that is held up so well, how could I not have anything but gratitude for it? My breasts that will never be that of a teenager's. Never going to happen, and I can be an acceptance of that today. You know, I know a woman who lost her breasts to breast cancer, and she would be happy with these breasts that are not happy and stand up anymore. 
but she'd be happy with these breasts and not have to have had surgery and all of the things that go with having breast cancer. So it's so much about gratitude and making the decision, like, you know, with my relationship, I had to make a decision. I am not coming into this relationship with a body image problem. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to fake it until I make it. I am not going to come in here and hoping that my partner will heal me of my body. It's not possible. Nobody can heal you of it but God. And another person, you know, they can tell you all kinds of wonderful things, but with that negative voice talking, you can't hear that if you are not ready, if you are not um, willing to let it go. And that's the other thing that I've kind of learned through this journey, and God is revealing to me. I had to be willing to let my body image, the negative body image, go. Because that was been so, that had been so much a part of me for so, so long, that who am I without talking crap about myself? What do I have to think about if I don't have bad things to say? Um, there's so much more to me than that. And I can accept that for this day, I have, you know, my arms that can do push-ups, and I have, you know, my stomach that, you know, carried children. I have breasts that nurture babies. I have legs that walk me as far as I need to go. When I think about my program, I really want to make sure that I have a few minutes for questions. Um, you know, I, I want to spend as much time taking care of my life and my body as I did trying to destroy it. So my program as it comes out, and if you guys have specific questions, I'll either answer them later or you can ask me during the question time. My prayer and meditation takes care of my spiritual body. My reading, my meetings, my service takes care of me mentally. My exercise and the, having a good, healthy food plan takes care of my body, my physical body. Telephone, sponsorship, writing, they take care of me emotionally through connection to my fellows. So really, you know, what it is that I want to say that's important um, is that I stop affirming these bad things about myself and start to affirm really good things about myself because all of them are true. We are all, in my belief, God's children. And that's what I really want to share. I want to make sure you guys have time for questions, so thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much. You talked about um, thinking like a, not thinking like a fat person, but actually shrinking your mental thoughts, shrinking it. So the question is, um, how did I get to a place of shrinking my thoughts and not thinking like a fat person? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just think getting, sometimes checking in with trusted people, um, I mean, I remember for the longest time where I still would go to the extra larges in the t-shirt shop because that's what I was so used to learning and I had to be like, oh, no, no, I need to go over to the medium and the small. And so it's like, you know, I prayed a lot. I really prayed to have God remove this image that I had of myself and to help bring me back to right size in my mind. So that is some of what helped. So I'm going to think about that. And if we have time to talk to you, for sure, I'll, I'll, I'll think something else. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, when you have that moment, when, you're, when you see the number on the scale is not what you expect it to be, that you need know, to go up the clothing size, the clothing sizes, what are some of the tools you use in that moment to get yourself away from the self-criticism or the self-judgment? Um, 
Um, well, I really haven't necessarily. I mean, in the last five or six years, I've been so blessed that I've not had to change clothing sizes. That is amazing to me as, as a person who had size 10 up to 28 in her closet at one point. Um, but the tools that have helped me get back on track when I'm kind of, you know, starting to feel wobbly, honesty, honesty, getting in touch with people, connecting with people, connecting with my sponsor, telling the truth immediately about what's going on with me lessens the power over it. When I start to keep secrets and I'm not saying what's real with me, that's when things start to go, go real squirrely for me. And writing, writing has been really a wonderful tool in talking about, you know, getting out of my mind how I feel when those kinds of things, when I'm, when I'm starting to slip or things are not quite as clean and perfect as I like them to be. I hope I'll answer that. Okay. And I, did I, oh, the question, the question was, tell me what your question was again. I don't really think I was when you, when you have one of those moments where you suddenly see that you're physically you're not where you want to be, how do you, what are the tools you use to get? So that question was, when you see that yourself is not physically where you want to be, how do you get back to a better place? Talk a little bit about your, um, your higher power slash God, how that evolved. Oh, that's way more time than what I have. But um, the question was, uh, how has my relationship with my higher power evolved? The quickest way that I can try to think about it is that I remember early on, years ago, um, that I had, you know, kind of this idea about God that God was like, well, you know, like a drive-through window, like you could go and there was like this menu of things and you just picked what you wanted off the menu and then when you drove up, you know, you were handed these things. And I realized that God for me does not work that way. In so many ways, the biggest traumas of my life have been the best things that have ever happened to me at the time that I couldn't see them. So it's like now learning to trust God, spending more time with God in prayer and meditation, things of that nature, those are the things that have really developed my relationship with God over time, and just seeing how God in all of this has never, ever, ever let me down. And my time is up, so thank you for letting me know.